Menopause is a normal life event for women, transgender and non-binary people too, but yet we very rarely talk about it, even amongst our friends and particularly not in the workplace. But why is that? Given that women aged over 45 comprise 17% of the Australian workforce and menopause typically occurs between the ages of 45 and 55, you would think that conversations about such a natural event would be commonplace, but no. My name is Fiona Hitchener, I'm the Customer Experience Director at Parents at Work and we're on a mission to create family-friendly workplaces where everyone can thrive at work and at home, which is why I'm delighted to have joined me on today's podcast Thea O'Connor, Senior Advisor on Workplace Wellbeing and Productivity, helping leaders, teams and individuals improve their workplace engagement and effectiveness through body intelligence and better health. Today, Thea and I are chatting to learn more about menopause, some of the signs and symptoms, what we can do to prepare for this event and even find joy from it. Welcome, Thea. Thank you so much, Fiona. It's good to be talking menopause with you. I am so delighted to be talking to you today as there is so much to discuss on this topic. And I have so many questions myself. Um, You know, I'm in my mid late 40s um, and have friends that have already gone through menopause or who are in the midst of it or who are asking you know me that once they found out I was running the podcast suddenly have all these questions Um, yet I still feel like we've got you know a lot to learn and like I said there are so many questions Um, and when I was preparing and doing my research around this podcast as well it made me really realize that I really don't know much about it Um, Mm -hmm. And my mum passed away a few years ago and I never really discussed her experience as well. So I have no idea what to expect um, either from her, from that perspective, from my family perspective. Um, and it also made me really realise that um, there's a real shame, a sense of shame around mm. menopause. And it seems to be this dirty secret that no one wants to talk about. So that's why I'm really delighted that we are having this conversation with you, Thea, because I know it's really important for you and in the work that you've done and the research that you've done that we bring this topic to the front and centre so that women can have the discussions and we can start having discussions around the what workplaces can do as well. So I'm so excited to have you today. Fantastic. So first of all, I would love to know a little bit more about you, Thea, and um, I know we've sort of heard, you know, your fabulous background and health and and all the work that you've done there, but what led you to focus on this particular area? Why menopause? Fiona, it certainly wasn't part of my business plan to be out there raising awareness in workplaces, but the way it came about was I, like every other woman on the planet, started going through menopause about uh, three years ago now, and Even though my symptoms weren't dramatic or terrible and I didn't have many physical symptoms, so my sleep's always been good and I don't get hot flushes and you think, oh, wow, you know, that's going to be crazy for her. But there were some symptoms that I found really disturbing and that was effect on my short-term memory and brain fog and for a period there, really low motivation. And I have no history of mental health problems. I've never experienced anything like that before. I'd always been able to rely on a really sharp, quick brain. And I you know, knew I needed this for my work. And I can distinctly remember sitting down one day to write an article, because that's part of what I do. And honestly, my brain felt like an empty sphere, like nothing there. And I thought, oh dear, you know, this isn't going to end well. And I started freaking out. And I started freaking out not so much for my health, but for my employability. 
you know, I, I work for myself and my body and my brain, that's all I've got to get stuff happening. But as I was freaking out, I caught myself and I thought, hang on, hang on, there must be other women in their early 50s out there holding down much more demanding jobs than me. How are they going with their work? And then I realized I hadn't heard a thing, not a squeak, not a whisper from my three older sisters, not from my mother, not from any of my wise, older female business mentors, not in relation particularly to work. And then I realized I'd stumbled across this massive taboo. So I went on and um, interviewed uh, 50 Australian women about their experience of going through menopause. And even though the symptoms are really diverse, there were standout consistent themes and they were um, feeling like they had to stay silent, keep it a secret, as a result felt incredibly isolated and they're all fear of being stigmatized or discriminated against if they did speak up. And of course, that only compounded the stress that they were feeling. I thought, goodness me, you know, these days we've got disability, sexuality on workplace diversity agendas, and we cannot talk about this natural life stage that affects half of the world. Something needs to change. So that's how I started um, my involvement in this area. And when I asked women, well, what do you want? They said we want to be able to talk about it, we want better and easier access to good information, and we want managers trained. And so they were the needs that I've responded to. Oh, that's brilliant. And thank you for bringing it to the front and for having, I guess, you know, with your experience, sort of like your journey has led you to this moment with everything that you've learned previously and with your own experience as well. And um, certainly in the research that I was doing as we were preparing and, you know, my very anecdotal research of talking to <laughs> friends and family and, um, you know, really, it was sort of the first time for some of my friends that they just went, oh, I hadn't really thought about it. And they're in their mid forties. Um, mm. They hadn't spoken to anyone. They didn't even know what menopause, you know, what, what age does menopause start? And mm. What are the signs and symptoms? So that's one of the things I would love to explore first um, and then move on to sort of, you know, the impact that it has had, like you've said on that sort of the stigmatism in workplace and that lack of confidence as well. So mm. um, perhaps you could sort of tell us a little bit first around, you know, Tell us a little bit more about menopause, what it is, what are some, some of the signs and symptoms that we should be aware of? When does it occur? Sure. So just really briefly, you know, the menopause transition, it's a really significant stage in a woman's life when her reproductive life comes to an end and then she begins a new stage of life. So it's both an ending and a beginning. And the transition can involve changes in physiology, but also to a degree, a change in our identity. We're shifting from being the younger fertile woman, often having lots of caregiving roles, not always, but very often, to someone older, deeper, more in our authority, potentially wiser if we do the work, and we're freed from those responsibilities of reproduction. But just the biology of it, menopause is one day in your life, it's like a marker in the sand, and it's defined retrospectively as when you haven't had any period or bleeding for 12 months. And the reason that your menstrual cycle is ending is because the ovaries have, you know, run out of eggs. Now perimenopause is the time leading up to that final period and that can last about four to eight years. This is when the ovaries are um, starting to run out of eggs and you see shifts in hormonal levels. So the ovaries production of say estrogen and progesterone is both declining but also fluctuating often quite dramatically and it's that decline and fluctuation that's thought to lead to some of the symptoms that women can find really challenging. In terms of when did this occur, it, you know, 
stats are only stats, but on average, uh, the final period occurs between the ages of 45 to 55. But bear in mind the perimenopausal period can, you know, last um, for four to eight years. When it comes to symptoms, just some really important things here is that not all women experience symptoms and not all women experience the same symptoms nor to the same degree. So there's an incredible diversity of experience. On average, about 20% of women can go through menopause and the only thing they notice is their period stop. But there's a big chunk in the middle, 60% might experience mild to moderate symptoms. I'll put myself in that category. But then another 20% can experience quite um, severe symptoms that can be long-lasting, you know, well into your 60s. And for that group of women, the symptoms can be quite debilitating. And what would and what can some of the things that we can do, um, particularly for that sort of sixty percent um, of people that you know sort of mild to moderate symptoms? What are some of the things that we can do to plan and prepare and sort of alleviate some of those symptoms? Um, and what are some of those symptoms? You know, what, what, when we're talking about symptoms, yeah. what could that be? Sure. So the symptoms could be physical, mental, emotional. And the reason there's such an array is because we have estrogen receptors all over our body. So the physical symptoms, I mean, most people know about hot flushes. Uh, there's also insomnia is really common, um, weight gain, which can be partly aging as well, not just menopause. But also aching muscles and joints and headaches. Menopause can be a time of yeah, increased headaches and, and migraines. When it comes to the mental emotional side of things, the menopause transition is a time of increased risk for depression and anxiety either for a return episode, sometimes more severe, or people can experience anxiety, for example, for the first time in their lives, or just feeling a lot more irritable, perhaps crying um, a bit more easily, having emotional outbursts, and then there are the cognitive changes, so the brain fog and short-term memory. It's always important to remember these symptoms are temporary, they're not a life sentence. Um, So that's just to give you an idea of the range. And then there are also the changes to things like, you know, libido or... Um, thinning hair and some of the more yeah personal effects that aren't, that aren't quite so relevant for the workplace. But so if we zoom in on the workplace and say, of all of these symptoms, which ones do women find, excuse me, <clears throat> the most problematic? It's actually number one is fatigue. That causes the most difficulty for work, which could be a knock-on effect from things like insomnia or anxiety, or it can just exist in and of itself. So it's fatigue, hot flushes, trouble concentrating, anxiety and worry and then insomnia they're the top ones for working women um, still bearing in mind that women have very different experiences so in terms of you know what can we do to prepare for this um, and the problem is no one sat us down and gave us the talk about menopause and that's why so many women are entering this life stage having no idea what to expect so obviously number one we've got a bit of education to do ourselves no one has been sitting us down to give us the talk so educate yourself as much as you possibly can, but also to do a little bit of a stock take of your health. And are there any health behaviours or lifestyle patterns you could actually improve now? Because healthy living can help reduce some of the symptoms. For example, alcohol, caffeine and stress and smoking, they're common triggers for hot flushes. So if you can cut down on them now before you get into the thick of the symptoms and you're feeling too tired to tackle any addictive tendencies, that's one really good measure. Try to find a good health practitioner now, a good women's health doctor. I hear many stories from women complaining about how long it takes them to find a good practitioner to support them. Ask around, get some referrals, start doing that work now. 
And I'd also say address stuff in your life now, emotional stuff. Is there a backlog of issues in your life that you've actually been avoiding? Um, because I think the opportunity of menopause is that it gives us this great opportunity to reassess our lives. It's not called the change for nothing. And I actually believe that some of the menopausal symptoms, like outbursts of anger, I reckon they're at least in part fueled by women putting up with stuff for way too long. So book into your therapist. I know you went off this morning, Fiona, you said to one of your favourite practitioners, get stuck into that now. I'll always remember one woman who I interviewed and she said, if you don't do the work, meaning the inner work, menopause will bring you to your knees. And that really put the wind up me. I thought, right, <laughs> I'm going to embrace menopause to deal with any any of the life stuff I haven't dealt with. And I have started chipping away at that. I've booked in to see a psychologist and, it, and it's been great. Last radical suggestion, try looking forward to, to menopause. We only hear the negative stuff because if you Google menopause, it's all about the symptoms. Sure, they can be really challenging, but we've got to see beyond the symptoms and this life passage is taking us somewhere really important. I'm just coming out of menopause now and the sense of steadiness and sense of authority that can come with it because of all the experience I can bring to bear. It's feeling pretty good, Fiona, now that I'm a few years down the track, I've got to say. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So sort of looking at the real positive aspects of this and the and the journey that you've gone through and what you've had to learn. And like you said, all the things that you've had to do in terms of digging deep and dealing with some of those emotional um challenges or, or you know issues that you hadn't dealt with before and putting your health first as well that that is a really positive outcome for people and actually um you know it's an opportunity for many of us if we haven't done all those things previously like you said to really reflect and go actually this is my time to do this mm. um to make yeah. the next five to ten years um and more um not necessarily enjoyable the whole time but yeah a more pleasant yeah. experience yeah, and you know everyone will be different, but generally speaking, there is work to be done to get through this life transition. And probably, perhaps one of the most important things I didn't mention is that as your beautiful good looks, you know, fade and your skin gets a bit more wrinkly like mine, and perhaps your hair isn't as lustrous as it used to be before, and maybe if your brain isn't as super speedy as it was before, we have to build a foundation of self worth that is not dependent on those more external sources of recognition so we have to build a deeper foundation on you know the qualities that we bring and the lifetime of experience because you're going to well I have found I have needed that foundation um, as my body changes so that's yeah another area in which we have to dig deep a bit I think and in many ways it's you know you sort of think as women what a great opportunity to do that there's not the same for men Mm. that call or that need to put their health first in that sense or for them to actually review you know their self-worth and mm. work on those foundations but for women you know we have this opportunity there's a moment in time where it becomes really critical that we do this um so it's sort of you know it's it's you know we could look at it as a, as a more positive experience for women absolutely and I'm glad you see it like that because a lot of it, women would say oh, God, you know, menopause is a design flaw. How come? We've had to put up with that periods and now we've got to deal with this. And I understand it when there is suffering involved. But another way to look at it is we get a shake-up before we die um, to address these things in our life so that our third act in life 
can be lived with greater perhaps integrity, less baggage um, and more to give back. So, yeah, I think that's probably the most empowering mind frame to address menopause. People can't necessarily jump into it thinking it is all positive when they're really suffering, but we can at least see it as an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, Thea. That's really beautiful. So tell me a little bit more in terms of the research that you've sort of seen. So we've talked about some of the the symptoms and some of the ways to to view this and what people can do to sort of proactively support themselves. Um, But obviously in the workplace, you know, you, you, you said through your research that that really highlighted the issues that um, uh, from from women's careers through confidence um, and through some of the physical symptoms that play out potentially in the workplace and there's that sort of sense of stigma as well so maybe if you could touch on a little bit about that in terms of you know what what do you see um, you know women experiencing menopause in the workplace and what can organizations be doing um, to support them better Thanks, Fiona. And yes, you did name some of the issues that have come out of my research, but also there's been some really good research in the UK and Monash University has done some good work in this area as well. So probably the standout theme from all of it is that sense of silence and that women feel that they can't speak up about it and they're scared that if they do, they won't be seen as fit for their work or they're scared that they'll just trigger more uh, gendered ageism which is already alive and well in the workplace so I can really relate to that fear you know will talking about this make things worse and I held back you know probably for quite a few months after I'd done my own research say am I going to talk publicly about this because I was worried about feeding negative stereotypes but what I knew um, most deeply as a well-being practitioner is that isolation has the worst impact on our well-being it's a number one killer So I couldn't opt for keeping this um, silent. And I leant heavily on the people who've gone before us, you know, who brought perhaps um, maternity leave and breastfeeding practices into the workplace. And also those people have done a lot of work in the area of mental health. You know, how did they um, get to have these issues recognised and supported? And the number one thing is trying to tackle the stigma. So in the work that I do, I, I definitely do the education around the symptoms and how workplaces can support it, but I'm always... Um, trying to unearth the unconscious bias that has crept in um, to menopause. It hasn't always been so negative. If you go back in the 1960s, there were some psychologists and doctors like Sigmund Freud who said terrible things about menopausal women. Uh, You know, they say things like, oh, and when women have lost their genital function, they become castrates and Mm. they undergo a peculiar alteration in their character. And You know, it's just horrible. And Mm. I think some of that still exists today. Um, so we need to kind of flush out what are some what is that unconscious bias that's still kicking around so badly, and let's reframe it. Let's just see this as reverse puberty. If you think of puberty as when all the reproductive hormones come in, some of the body changes aren't nice, are they? There's pimples, there's body odor. Um, you know, your moods go up and down. You're not very good at assessing risk. Girls start to bleed. Um, all of that happens. But what people say is like, yep, and this is taking you to be an adult. You're now becoming a woman. It's all normal, normal, normal. And I think it'd be great if we had that same attitude to menopause itself. So going back to your question, so key things were silence, yeah, the effect on confidence, not feeling able to speak up. What the research also shows, though, is when you ask women, and I did this in my research and other 
the Monash University people have as well and people in the UK. What do women want? If you ask them, the three things they said to me was, number one, can we just normalise it? Can we just talk about this natural stage of the life cycle? Number two, I do want key workplace people trained so that they know menopause is a real thing. We're not putting it on. We're not being princesses. Um, and that they know the simple adjustments that we could talk about to support me. They also said, could you help us access good information so I know what I can do to take care of myself? And perhaps in a way, most importantly, um, women said they didn't necessarily want the spotlight shot on them. They didn't want to become the poster girl for menopause. What they most wanted was a, an age-friendly culture where the women knew there was a career path for them um, midlife and beyond. And if a little bit of support is needed along the way for this temporary life stage, um, that's what's required to help women fulfil on their, their full potential at work. That's, that's really interesting that you talk about the age-friendly environment and the culture because, um, you know, there, there are a lot of, um, there is a lot of work in workplaces at the moment about trying to create more age-friendly cultures, but I hadn't yet seen menopause mm -hmm. um, pulled under that it was more around you know recruitment practices and recruiting um uh, more age diverse employees and retaining the age diverse employees and putting an age lens on everything but not necessarily looking at from linking the health aspects under that as well mm -hmm. so you know you're right that's um that sort of it does sit very neatly under age-friendly culture but like you said before it also sits under the mental health um, well-being and well-being of a, you know an organization's culture as well very much so and that's another thing a workplace can do is they can look at what have they got already in place whether it's the mental health training or the flexible workplaces and just start naming menopause as a reason for example to access flexible work practices or include mention of menopause as a high risk time in the mental health training so there are many ways that the awareness can be embedded because if you look at um, you know what is supportive for women a lot of workplaces have got the supports or benefits there already it's just about opening up the conversation many workplaces have flexible workplaces many workplaces do have a chill out room where maybe you could go just to recenter or um, if you need a distraction free environment in which to do your most you know focus work because focus you know can be an issue so a lot of it is already there the main work is opening up the conversation and then having exploring what's possible, even within the existing resources of the workplace. And so how do you then, like given that, you know, we talked about that it's, it is silent in workplaces and a lot of women feel do feel this stigma and they feel, um, you know, sort of anxious about bringing it up and, you know, the, the potential negative stereotypes that they could be faced with. How do you mm. encourage women to have those conversations with leaders or with colleagues, for example? It's really interesting, and I'm still learning this myself, Fiona, how do these conversations get started? To date, in some of the workplaces I've worked in, it's actually been a brave senior female woman who went through a terrible time herself and was determined that the women coming after her should not experience the same. So these have been courageous women. I know, uh, for example, one woman I'm thinking of, she had a new um, male CEO and she was a senior people and culture leader and she'll think god you know is this the first thing I put on the agenda to talk to my new boss and after a while she just psyched up the courage and she she talked about it and she actually got a really great reception and the green light to go ahead and do something in her workplace 
Um, so look, some women have been fearless and all hats off to them. Others are more asking, oh, how do we raise this? So some suggestions there are just use awareness days, World Menopause Days on October the 18th. There's also Women's Health Week. It's a great opportunity just to start. Some workplaces ask me to run the webinar, why talk about menopause in the workplace? Because that's the first question that needs to be addressed. Mm. There's Mental Health Week. Other workplaces suggest um, let's just raise this in our women's group first and you know see what they think and get some ideas from them. So they're just some of the ways that menopause is starting to be placed on, on the workplace agendas. Yeah, and in the conversations and like you say, not calling it out necessarily separately, but just weaving it into the mm. existing conversations or the existing programs or the so it doesn't feel again that it's just something that's out there by itself. It actually fits in. It's a natural part of, you know, whether it's our physical or mental health or um and our career development as well. Um so I just wanted to explore um you touched on before um, a women wanting to get access to support um, or information. So what what type of information is out there? Where where would someone go if they wanted to learn a little bit more about menopause or what they could be experiencing and potentially, you know, what type of doctor or, the, or specialist they should see? Like what are some of the, the more trusted places that you would recommend? I really love the Jean Hales Foundation for Women. They're based in Victoria. And they have extensive, really good quality information for women, but also for health professionals. They'll share all their webinars and training that they do for doctors if you want to go in for that deeper dive. So that's Jean Hales, the J, J-E-A-N Hales, H-A-I-L-E-S. They're fantastic. Really, they're very uh, women-friendly, their um, information. And they also do have a naturopath working for them. So they've definitely got all the medical side, but also some of the other therapies that many women do want to try. Then there's the Australasian Menopause Society. They have a website, again, with lots of explainers for the general public. They also have a list of practitioners who have an interest in menopause as well. I've heard that doesn't necessarily guarantee the person has really specialised in menopause, but at least at least it's a start because doctors do have to go off really and take this on as a special interest of their own. So they would be the top two places I would suggest to start with. And then Monash University, if you're more interested in the workplace stuff, they have also created some good templates and open source material um, for workplaces with tips for managers and um, helping workplaces think through where, where do we want this to sit. And I'm pretty sure that's menopauseatwork.org. Great. Um, yeah, so they're the top two ones that, that spring to mind, yeah. Excellent. I hope you don't mind, but if we can sort of step back and you mentioned um, previously that, you know, there is around roughly 20% of women who will have more severe signs and symptoms or experience of menopause. So I just wondered what that, you know, for those women that who may be in that category, what does that look like? What are some of the signs and symptoms and what are the things that, you know, they, they should be thinking about um, or where could they go to get support. Mm -hmm. And just before that, what that highlights also, the range of experience between women, is that one thing that's really needed is to promote understanding between women. And I think sometimes the women who don't have many bad, you know, challenging symptoms or none at all, 
in some of the Facebook conversations I've been monitoring, I think they can be quite judgmental of the women who are saying, we need to talk about this at work. So we need to promote understanding between women who have very different experiences. But for those who really struggle, I mean, hot flushes can go on for decades. And if they're severe, they keep you awake at night. So then you're dealing with this you know, really disruptive thing going on during the day and then you can't sleep at night. And we all know that sleep deprivation alone can pretty much wreck the quality of your life. Some women in a more ongoing manner will say, you know, that the brain fog or short-term memory perhaps doesn't resolve and it's something that they really struggle with along with that motivation. And what you'd need to check out there is to get a good practitioner to assess is this, how much of it's that depression versus, versus menopause. Um, but any of those symptoms that I mentioned before that persist, like, you know, that the aches and pains in their joints, for example, um, you know, loss of libido can really affect relationships. So it's any of those ones if they're just persistent and really interfere with their quality of life. And that's where you do really need to see a great doctor to help you with that. And these days we know more about HRT and, um, you know, the, the risks to breast cancer perhaps aren't as great as some women had feared. And if it's really upsetting your life, it's definitely something to consider. I'm neither pro nor against it. But I just know for some of the working women who I've spoken to, they've put up with things for years on end. They finally took HRT and it's like, oh, thank goodness for that. You know, I can get through a working day without having to, you know, take my cardigan off 20 times and be the butt of jokes and be unable to focus. And I mean, for someone like me, I don't really know too much about HRT. I mean, I've heard it, you know, sort of talked about, but it's not something that I have really know a lot about. So, I mean, I guess yeah. I'd love to understand what, what does that what does that mean and what does that do for, for the body? Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to pretend to give a really good rave here. But what I would like to do is recommend there's a really good book called The M Word by GP Dr. Guinea Mansberg, G-I-N-N-I Mansberg, and she gives a really good overview of the history of HRT and, um, you know, what the role it can currently play. Probably what I can say, though, is these days we're understanding that if it is used, um, there's a window of opportunity for the benefits of HRT to outweigh the risks, and that's all about starting menopause hormone treatment that's what's called these days MHT not HRT if you can start it within say about five years of going through menopause that seems to deliver the greatest benefit so it's definitely something you'd need to talk about with your GP but it um, the, the symptoms that it helps with the most are the hot flushes which then helps with women sleep better and then it is also indicated if you're at risk of osteoporosis that would be another strong indicator for it and there's more research taking place these days about the impact on, on brain health. That hasn't been studied nearly enough. It does seem, you know, that there are some possible positive benefits there as well. Okay, great. So really it's around, it's an individual choice for everyone, obviously. Very much so. Getting yeah. the, um, going to the specialists and being aware beforehand. So like you said, you didn't, you know, rather than sort of go through five years and go, what's going on? What are my options? Really mm. being aware and um, have those, the the specialist or have the, done your research or at least have an awareness so mm. that you can make the most informed choice that's right for you and Correct. your body. Yes, um, yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to just ask around, you know, is that 
what are some of the common myths as well that you hear that you know that you would like to use this as an opportunity to spell both either for women or for for other people in their families mm. I think the uh, one big one is um the myth that menopause happens in your 50s and 60s we often have a picture of a quite an old woman when we think about menopause but it can be in your early 40s and we also know that about 10% of women have early or premature menopause. And that could be due to things like treatment for breast cancer. Think how common that is. And often the treatment involves getting all that estrogen out of your body. So number one, it can occur younger than you think. And I know some of the women I spoke to in their early 40s, they were saying, I feel totally ripped off. No one told me that this could happen at this life stage. So number one, don't think it's always an old looking woman. But the other big myth is that we think that the symptoms are just about hormones. But if that is the case, why do women from different cultures have different rates of symptoms? So every woman's body goes through that really big plummet in estrogen levels over a few years during menopause. It doesn't matter what race you are. But in China, for example, only about 30% of women experience hot flushes, whereas amongst Caucasian women, it's right up close to about 80%. So if the symptoms were only about hormones we wouldn't be seeing these big differences between cultures and what it suggests is that the environment in which we go through menopause what our culture's attitude is towards aging women for example or perhaps the environment our diet and our lifestyle that they can also have an impact as well so I think that's a really good message for workplaces to remember because it means if you can create a positive supportive environment um, and help the woman you know with her health choices then you could you might actually be able to impact on symptoms um, probably the other big one is that it's really easy to see menopause as a design flaw so oh my goodness you know we seem to be losing all these bodily functions and it's hard and and you know it just seems to be accelerating aging um, well yes that can be one view but actually we're being given a whole other life that's not defined by our reproductive abilities anymore. It is kind of shunting us into this third act, which if we do the work can be a pretty rich time of life. Um, so I think they're my big ones. Oh, and another one would be that it's re really easy to blame everything that happens during midlife to our health. We can blame it all on menopause. And we have to be really wary not to do that. The exhaustion, for example, yes, hormonal changes could be playing a role. But it could also be the effect of a lifetime of not prioritising your own well-being and self-care. It could be due to a lifetime of saying yes way too many times when you should have been saying no. So we have to be really honest with ourselves there and not just blame it all on our hormones mm. and take responsibility for what we can. Absolutely. That's a really good point. It's sort of, you know, one, being able to, to use this as an opportunity to reflect on your own well-being and health, but also being conscious that it, there could be other underlying things that are, that are impacting or treating, you know, um, amplifying some of the, the feelings and emotions or physical symptoms that they're experiencing mm -hmm. as well. Um, yes. So I'm, thank you so much, Thea. I've really enjoyed this. and. Um, I've, I've actually got like three pages of notes that I've already just taken down myself and things that I'm going to look into myself. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to sort of share for women who might be listening to this or any sort of pieces of advice that you'd like to put forward before we sort of wrap up the podcast? Probably one thing I'd like to see 
is more conversations between women. So go out, ask your mum, ask your female friends, but be really wary about falling into the complaining trap. And by there, I don't want to minimise your suffering, but if we just keep awfulizing menopause, that's not going to be helpful for us. Keep looking for what's the opportunity here and be on the alert for self-put-downs. So the way we do talk about menopause at the moment in the workplace is through jokes. And sometimes women crack the joke first. And I think it's, I'm going to get in first before someone makes fun of me. But just kind of review those jokes that you might crack about yourself. And is there a self-put-down inherent in there? And see if we can start cleansing that, that, that self-put-down tendency in the way we talk about menopause ourselves, which isn't necessarily easy. And I'm not saying don't use humour to dispel you know tension Mm. but there's already enough of that in the area of menopause you know the disparaging kind of element so I'd say yes have conversations but be really alert to self put downs and explore what's the opportunity what could I take responsibility for is my body now actually telling me something about how I've been living my life that might need to change for the sake of my next 30 years Yeah, exactly. And I think that's an important point as well, isn't it? This does not mean the end. I mean, that's sort of, I think, you know, historically, there's, like you say, there's this perception that you sort of go through menopause, and this is the end. And I love the way that you say, you're transitioning from one, and it's the beginning of something else. And we're going into our third act, you know, this is the time to actually really evaluate what you want your third act to to look like, um, who you want in your life, the type of um, person that you are going to be in your third act as well. Um, so it's a, it's a, it is a really good opportunity as well as, you know, there's going to be a few bumps on the road as well. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I love the way that you're sort of positioning it in that way. It's, it's really a much more positive framework to put it through. Um, and finally, before we wrap up, any, any other last pieces of advice or, or anything else that you'd like to say? Simply that menopause is a fantastic opportunity. It's a great opportunity for workplaces to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to gender equity or being age friendly. You know, here's the opportunity to really walk the talk. And if you do, I can pretty much guarantee your female staff will love you for it. I've never had so many thank you, thank you emails after running webinars and workplaces. And secondly, it is an opportunity for us women to stop and take stock of our lives. It's like our body is doing a massive stock take after 40 or 50 years and and just as best you can seize that opportunity for for more for more growth and for becoming a richer deeper version of you and for becoming the woman the older woman our culture that you want to see let's let's be that change Mm. because it's sorely needed totally I love that um and thinking through just one final comment from me around you know it's an opportunity after 40 or 50 years where we've probably been putting everybody else first to really reflect on what we need right now um, mm. so thank you Leah. no that, that's a pleasure and just to finish with I'm just remembering another comment from a, a woman who I interviewed and she said yeah menopause for me has been about to stop mothering others and to start mothering myself mm. and I love that kind of turning that nurturing inwards I think that's a really nice way to focus our menopausal years as well lovely thank you Thea so remember let's not focus on it all being negative some women even say menopause is the best kept secret that it's been liberating life stage 
So we are going to continue focusing on the positive and be prepared for what may lay ahead for us. So thank you so much, Thea. We will be recording another podcast on this subject, but specifically for leaders and organisations on the business case for a menopause-friendly workplace. So listen out for that. That will be coming shortly as well. Thank you again, Thea. I've really enjoyed listening to you, your expertise and your warmth and your empathy and compassion and for, you know, really thank you for driving this message through. You've gone through this, but for paving the way for other women to have more resources and support and knowledge, but also take the more positive out of that and hopefully be able to build their support group and have those conversations with their loved ones, friends, family and workplaces. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Fiona. Thanks for the conversation. Really enjoyed it. Take care, Thea. Thank you.